Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. All right. If you want the Lord to speak into your life, why don't you just raise your hand to him and say right now, God, I open my heart to you. I open my mind to you. Lord, I'm thankful for a time of worship that we had, and I'm thankful that we got our minds set in the right place. Lord, but I pray right now that every heart would be open, that we would be receptive, Lord God, that you would take away every distraction, that you would take away every doubt, every fear, Lord, and that you would let us focus on your word today. Speak what you will into my life, Lord God, into my heart. I thank you for it in advance today. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen. Amen. We'll quickly turn to the book of Matthew. I'm going to read uh, two quick portions of scripture from chapter 6 and then chapter 10. Matthew chapter 6, we'll be reading from verses 25 to 30, and then we'll flip over to Matthew chapter 10. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you should put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And then flipping down to Matthew chapter 10, we'll read verses 29 through 32. It says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father, which is in heaven. Amen. Give somebody a high five around you as you're seated. Tell them God bless you. Amen. Well, praise God. So we read two portions of Scripture here, both found in in, uh, Matthew's um, version of the gospel here. And the first one, Matthew chapter 6, he he tells us that, um, obviously he's saying, take no thought of the morrow, Um, don't stress out about the things that are to come. But then he says in verse 26, he says, behold the fowls of the air, the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't work, um, they don't reap, they don't gather the harvest, Um, they they don't gather everything into barns, he says, but yet your heavenly Father, Father feedeth them. And he says, are you not much better than they, and then he goes on to talk a little bit more. But then in uh, chapter ten, he says, "This are not two sparrows sold for a farthing. That's about the equivalence of a penny. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father." And then he goes on to tell about the, even the very hairs of our head are numbered, and how uh, if he cares so much for a sparrow, how much more does he care for us? Uh, with that in mind, and speak to us today uh, with this topic in mind: if he sees the sparrow. If he sees the sparrow. 
Now, the sparrow is a very common bird, a very small bird. Um, typically, they range in size from four to eight inches in length, and they weigh uh, between 0.8 to 1.4 ounces. That's pretty small. Um, if you think of that in bite-sized terms, that's... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But the sparrow is a very common bird. They group together in flocks. Um, sometimes they can be in groups as large as up to 10,000. Now, um, I don't know what direction you came to church today or, or what time you came, but as I was driving uh, on 14 coming across, um, we were coming just over into Eagle Lake, and all of a sudden, like off the lake over here, there was just like a swell of birds. And when I tell you a swell of birds, I mean like for half a mile, just birds flocking off the trees. It was crazy. It was insane. And then we were walking in, and there's another flock just overhead. Just crazy amounts of birds. Now, they weren't sparrows, but um, you can see how uh, a sparrow can even, it says they flock in groups as large as up to 10,000. Uh, and sparrows, there's, um, there's really... I. Embarrassed to admit to you, but I did uh, Google and s try and see, is there anything interesting at all about sparrows? Um, and unless you care about what size they are or the fact that they can fly approximately 28 miles an hour, this is actually pretty cool. Um, if they're fleeing a predator, they can swim. Did you know sparrows can swim? Yeah, so basically they're like little ducks. Um, I made that part up. That wasn't on Wikipedia. But they can swim. Uh, so anyways, um, sparrows, they're, they're, they're very small. They're very um, seemingly insignificant. Um, they can have a tendency to get lost or to blend into a crowd. Um, even the most avid of bird watchers, I would challenge to find one particular sparrow in a group of 10,000, much less in a group of 1,000. Um, their markings are, are pretty similar. Uh, their, their patterns are, are fairly similar. So there's nothing just uh, abundantly unique about each and every individual sparrow. Um, sparrows are known for their beautiful songs. Um, they predominantly eat seeds, but in uh, city settings, it's not uncommon that they'll eat table scraps or, or food that'll fall to the ground and, and thrown to them. Um, but there's nothing really just outstanding about the sparrow. In the Bible, people would buy sparrows um, for meat, and while, yes, they were extremely small, they were also very cheap. Matthew recorded that they were sold two for a penny. Um, Luke records in his parallel gospel that they were sold five for two pennies, or a farthing is equivalent of a penny. This is the smallest denomination of fund that they had. And so they were sold five for two pennies, meaning that for all you bargain shoppers, they got the fifth one for free. Um, it was generally known, it was generally accepted in, in biblical times that a single sparrow had no value. So you wouldn't sell a single sparrow. You could buy two for a farthing, you could buy two for a penny, but one single sparrow had absolutely no value um, in their eyes. And yet while that's accepted that the singular sparrow had no monetary value, we see scriptures like Matthew 6 and 10, and then we also see the corresponding in the Gospel of Luke. It shows us that they are still provided for, and also that they have the eye of the Lord if they fall. We also see in Psalm, Psalm 84, 3, it says, Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. So we have a picture here that a, a sparrow, a swallow, would, would fly into the temple, and that they would begin to make a home or a nest around the altars of the Lord. And what is telling us is even the most seemingly insignificant of creature 
has a place of welcome, a place of home in the house of the Lord. At the altar of God, there's a place for absolutely anyone. And so I challenge us today that if he sees a sparrow, if he makes way, if he makes place for a sparrow in the house of the Lord, then how much more his greatest creation, you and I, can we feel an acceptance? Can we feel a welcoming, a warming, a love from our Father, our Creator, that says, if I see the sparrow, how much more do I know you and how much more do I care for you. Even that small and seemingly insignificant creature, Scripture records that they have a resting place and a place of safety in the presence of the Lord. And I can't help but feel like in this place today, this morning, even in this room right now, there's people who have found themselves at times that they don't feel much different than a sparrow. No doubt this probably isn't the way that you would have described it if we asked you how you felt. You wouldn't say, oh, about like a sparrow. (laughs) I've never heard anybody describe their feelings that way. And yet, and yet if we take some of, the, uh, some of the connections, some of the correlations between the two, it's very easy to see that sometimes we can find ourselves feeling that way. You feel from time to time maybe that you're simply blending into the crowd, that there's nothing special about me, that I don't have any particular talents. I just, I blend in, I, I mesh with everything else. I'm very common. Nothing really separates me from everyone else. And yes, even at times been made to feel like you have no real value on your own. You might feel small and insignificant, and while you wouldn't probably just picked out a sparrow to compare yourself to, the correlations are there, and the parallels are being drawn to the thoughts of a sparrow and the way that you even think about yourself. You see, a sparrow is so common and so ordinary, so unspecial to us, that we seldom take the time to really notice them. If you see a sparrow, it doesn't really stick out in your mind. It doesn't really jump out to you uh, unless it's like in your house, in which case that would become alarming. But even in like Menards or Fleet Farm, big stores, you go in there, there's birds all over the place, and you're like, there's a bird inside. And that's about as far as that thought goes. Unless, I mean, you're really paranoid of birds, in which case it's the most horrifying haunted house you've ever walked into. Um, But we don't really take a whole lot of thought. We don't really take a whole lot of notice to the singular sparrows that are there. And and I feel like that there's some people that have started to believe a lie of the enemy that you're like the sparrow of life. Perhaps even sitting in church service after church service, you found yourself seemingly being overlooked, passed by for other families. Blessings are hitting everyone but me. God is answering prayers for this brother and that sister. And yet here we stand seemingly unimportant and unseen. Pastor talked to that family and he didn't talk to me. This sister talked to those folks and she never greeted me. The Lord is answering prayers for everybody at the altar and I went up there for weeks and weeks on end and I still haven't felt my answer. Am I even seen? Does God know me? Does he see me? Does he hear my cries? Does he hear when I pray or am I wasting my breath? What am I even doing here if I don't stick out from the crowd? If I just blend in, if I'm just overlooked, if I'm at home, if I'm at church, if I'm at school or work, wherever I am, If I'm not making a difference and if nobody sees or notices me, what value do I even have? And we can find ourselves being trapped into the mindset of becoming the the sparrow of life. And again, while we might not have described it that way, as we talk about it, we realize that we're attacked with these same feelings, sometimes day in and day out. You see, the devil's tried and tried to get you to believe a lie that you don't matter. He's tried to make you accept that God sees and hears and cares about everyone but you. 
I've come here simply this morning to tell you that that is just not true. You were created and you were formed. Your lungs were filled with the very breath of God as he spoke your life into existence. Jeremiah said 1.5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto nations. Before you even had real breath in your lungs, before you were able to sustain life on your own, Jesus Christ had his thumbprint on your life. He had his hands on you. He was crafting and creating you as an individual, as someone special, as a creation that had value, as someone that was needed, that was necessary, that was, there was a place for you in the body of Christ and a place for you in this life. The psalmist said it this way in 139, 14. He said, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, O God, and that my soul knows right well. And I wish that we would just have a groundswell of the confidence of David in our lives that says that I know who I am that I know who I am. I know what God has done. I will praise thee, O Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not just here by happenstance. I'm not here on accident. I'm not overlooked. I'm not overseen. I don't care what life may dictate. I don't care what home life is, and I don't care what your day-to-day -day looks like. But no matter what everything else that you go through, the pains, the hurts, the sufferings, the, the dr drama of life, no matter what it is, I can still point to the Scripture the word of God and I can look you in the eye and say you are fearfully and wonderfully made you are a creature a creation of God and he took the time to craft you to mold you to shape you and then breathe his very breath into your life so that you could walk this earth not as a passerby not as something to be overlooked or devalued or sold or cast aside but someone that had a value that had a purpose and he had a thumbprint on your life that said I've ordained you to a calling before you even walk this earth. Praise God. I thank you, Lord, that you see me. I thank you that you know me, that you created me, and that you called me. You see, God designed and crafted each and every one of us. He created you just the way he wanted you to be. It makes it a lot harder to sell self-care products if you have that image in mind. But God created you just the way he wanted you to be. From the dust of the earth, God formed man, and with his breath, he breathed life. And after he created you, he gave himself a sacrifice for your sins so that you might be delivered and that you might be born again. You are beyond ordinary, my friend. You are not invisible. You are not worthless. You have value beyond comprehension or comparison. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a child of the Most High God. He has called you. He has placed you. He has purposed for you and I want to get rid of everything else in your mind and everything else in your life that would try and tell you otherwise because the word of the creator says that I have chosen and I have called and I have created you as an individual you as a person you as exactly who you are so I don't care what lies try and come against your life I don't care what circumstances try and make you feel otherwise there is a value that Jesus Christ has on your life and I want us to realize and recognize that that in the house today. But beyond all of that, beyond all that, in your darkness, in your weak moments, in your times of feeling less than your worth, 
I want to remind someone that we serve a God who sees the sparrow. And if he sees the sparrow, how much more does he see you? And I'm going to let that sink in for just a moment because this isn't for your neighbor and this isn't for someone else across the way. This is for you, individually. If he sees the sparrow, then he sees you. He tells us in Matthew that he sees the sparrow and he knows even better than the sparrow, he knows us and he knows down to the very number of hairs on your head. And he says you have far more value than one of these. You say, oh great, well maybe I'm worth three pennies. That's still more value than a sparrow and the word of God tells me that not one of them falls from the sky without him taking notice. So have I fallen? Have I fell? Have I tripped? Have I stumbled? Have I found myself somewhere that I don't know which way is up? Has life just done a number on me? Maybe. But if God sees every sparrow that falls, how much more does he see you in your exact moment, in your exact need, in your present circumstance, and in your time? He's there, and he sees you. I want to remind someone today, if he sees the sparrow, surely he sees you. No matter the pressures we're under or the stresses of life, and no matter the difficulty of the situation, no matter the feelings of hopelessness or helplessness, if my God sees the sparrow, how much more does he see his son or his daughter? I want to read quickly the parallel scripture found in Luke. Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, that you are not, ye are of more value than many sparrows. See, Luke tells us that not one of these sparrows is forgotten. And if a sparrow isn't forgotten, then I assure you today, you are not forgotten. God hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you behind. He hasn't passed over you for someone else. He sees you in the very seat that you're sitting. He sees you in your car as you're driving. He sees you in your bed as you're sleeping. He sees you in the corner that you hide in. He sees you in a moment of prayer, and he sees you in a moment of weakness. He sees your every move. He feels your every breath. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. And as you feel that you are falling, my Father takes notice of every single one. Are you not a of more value than the one that he says I take notice of? Are you not of more value than the one that he says there's a place for you in the altar? Are you not of more value than the creation that nobody else values and nobody else cares about and I can't even sell just one because there's not enough value to it? My friend, that is not you today. That is not a son or daughter of God. If he sees the sparrow, then he sees you and he knows you, and he's called you to a purpose. No matter the world's thoughts or opinions, not one single one is forgotten before God, and neither are you. In Matthew 10, 29, he said, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and not one shall fall to the ground without your father noticing? And I want to quickly turn our attention back to Luke chapter 12. He said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God, but even the very hairs of your head numbered. And then in Matthew, he said, uh, two are sold for a farthing, and not one shall fall with, unless my father take notice. Notice he didn't say that the sparrows would never fall. 
He didn't say they would never fall. And similarly, he never said that we would never fall. But he said that when they do fall, he sees them. He doesn't leave them alone. And if we fall, he doesn't just take notice so that he can point it out and laugh or ridicule or condemn. No, that's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve, matter of fact, his word says to us in Isaiah chapter 42 and 3, it says, a bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Quite simply, he's saying he will never give up on you. He will never write you off. He will never snuff you out or break the bruise. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you, and he watches over you. How many know what I mean when I say life can happen? That's because life has happened. It can be tough. It can be challenging. Sometimes it can be downright brutal. And we can find ourselves beat up by just the stuff. We can find ourselves beat up by just the stuff of life. And I haven't even gotten into talking about spiritual attacks. It's just life. So I don't try and paint a picture of rose gardens that says there's never an issue, there's never a struggle, or there's never a trial. I don't try and play dumb or ignorant and convince myself that, oh, I'm a child of, the God, no, uh, of God, nothing bad can ever happen to me. I don't try and play an ignorance card and just hope that everything will turn out right. But I do have a hope that everything will turn out right. I can take note from the psalmist David when he said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the one who made heaven and earth. And he also made you. He's the same guy that said, I am, praise thee, O Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thy works are in that my soul knows right well. But sometimes we trip. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we get pushed down and beat up. And broken, and that's the times when we're most susceptible to feeling like we're being overlooked. Most susceptible to feeling like what we do has no value. You ever feel like you just work and work and work and work and nobody cares? <laughs> you just you're doing everything. You're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing the other, and everyone else is just kind of going on with their life, like, oh, well, somebody's doing it. It's all right. Well not taking a moment to recognize or care about the person that's doing it. And we try our very best here to recognize people that work in the kingdom of God. We do our ministry appreciations, our volunteer appreciation night. But I hope that not a moment goes by that you feel like what you do for the kingdom of God has no value or it's overlooked. I'm going to take a moment right now. This is not even almost in my notes. I want to take a moment right now and just let you know that if you've done even the smallest thing for the kingdom of God, I don't care if you flushed a toilet that had been flushed, you picked up a piece of trash, you mopped the floor, or you pressure washed the outside of the bill. I don't care what it was. If you've done anything to bless the kingdom of God or to take care of the house of God, I want to let you know from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate that. We appreciate every act that you have done. We appreciate every work that you've put in, every moment that you've spent, every minute, every hour. We appreciate what is done for the kingdom of God. So let it not be said that the church is somewhere that I don't find in appreciation because that's simply not the case might it get overlooked and might not somebody say something that's possible and if that's happened and offended I apologize sincerely but I want you to know that not a moment goes by that our father in heaven doesn't see 
So I just want to take a second, aside from notes, aside from anything else that we're talking about, no matter if it's at the church or even at your home or you're going through your day-to-day life and you just feel like you're slaving away and working and doing your thing and nobody's taking notice, you feel taken, taken for granted or taken advantage of or just passed over or forgotten, I want you to know that there is not a moment that goes by that our God in heaven does not see you, does not value you, and does not care for you above all else. You are his highest creation. You are the one that he formed with his hands. The rest he spoke into existence. But man, do you realize it says that he formed man from the dust of the earth. Everything else he just spoke. Does he have the power to speak my life into existence? Absolutely. But he didn't just speak man into existence. He formed us into existence, meaning that we get the word picture of God kind of kneeling down and just scooping up and beginning to shape and mold and shift. And it says that in Genesis 1 and 29, you don't have it. Don't stress, brother. Genesis 1 and 29, it says, male and female created he them. In the image of God, he created male and female. He took the time to form and to shape each and every one of you. And it says that he shaped Adam in the image of God. Now, I don't want to mess up too many people's theology here. But if God shaped man in his image, that's almost like he had an opportunity to say, what is the best version of myself? And I want to create that. Do we have any artists in the house? Anyone that's at least good at art? Okay, awesome. Fantastic. Now, uh, do we have anybody that's ever attempted to draw a picture of themselves? Yeah? Well, one time I tried. It looked a lot like a stick figure, and clearly that wasn't an accurate representation. <laughs> I'm not an artist, but if I was and I set to take, uh, make the most beautiful self-portrait, I would try and make myself look as good as possible. I mean, how many selfies do you delete before you post the one that you actually... <laughs> And that's the real picture. But if we're taking a moment to create something in our image, to create an image of who we are, we take the extra moment, we take the extra time to make sure it's as good as it can possibly be, that I'm represented as best as I possibly can be. And that's the image that we have when Jesus Christ formed man from the dust of the earth and created us in his image. He is making you the best version of himself. That means that we are created, and we know this, we're created for Jesus Christ to live inside of us. We're created to be a vessel. We're created to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be a light. We're supposed to be a reflection of who he is. And he's designed us for that and he's purposed us for that. And that's the very reason that we were created. So you are the best version that God has possibly been able to create is you just as you are, just where you are right now. That seems like a lot more value than just a sparrow. That seems like a lot more value than just something that's just spoken into existence. And I'm not devaluing any of the creation of the Lord, but I'm simply seeking to show you your value that Jesus Christ has placed on you. Amen. Isaiah 42.3, I read that again. He says, a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench but he shall bring forth judgment unto truth. 
So yes, life happens, and yes, life beats us up, and yes, life gets us to a place where we feel like we don't maybe know which way to go or which way to turn or what else to do. Or yeah, we feel undervalued, or yeah, we feel overlooked, or yeah, we feel like we're the least significant of all the creation. I'm the most worthless one that's walked the earth, and we can get ourselves talked in to some of the most negative thoughts. And then we'll blame the devil for it, but in reality, it's just us talking negatively about ourselves, not realizing the value that God has placed on your life. But I want you to know, no matter where life has you today, broken, bruised, he says, a bruised reed will he not break. You ever been down by the, by the lake, by the water, the ponds, and you see all the cattails there, and, and some of them are bent over and, and falling? Um, that's, a, that's a bruised reed. The Bible says a bruised reed will he not break, which means he won't just walk over to it and say, well, now it's, it's bent, so it's kind of worthless, and just hack it down. A bruised reed will he not break. No, no, it's given us a picture that he's just almost trying to mend it, to fix it, because he's not willing to write it off just because it's been bruised. God's not willing to write you off just because of mistakes that have been made in your life. God's not willing to write you off just because things that have been done to you, just because of the circumstances that you've been uh, gifted or that you have been pressed upon you. God is not willing to write you off. And then he says, a smoldering flax will he not quench. In other words, you got a fire that's starting to kind of dwindle down or burn down, and all that's left is just a little bit of an ember. Maybe one time your fire was burning big. It was the, you know, the bonfire that everybody came to. Flames 20 feet tall and just big and burning and you are the light of the world and you're on fire for God because everything's going great and everything's awesome. And so my fire is lit and it's burning. But then what happens when it's not tended to? It starts to dwindle down and it starts to go away and it starts to fade. But before the fire is completely out, there's just the little embers at the bottom, just the little, little pieces. And you have two options when you're down to embers, when you're down to the smoldering flax, as Isaiah says it. You have two options. One, you can stamp it out, snuff it out, and make sure it's dead. Or two, you can begin to fan that flame. You can begin to just blow some air on it, just introduce some more fuel to it, just get just a little bit more that says that there's still something else for you to live with. There's still something else that you can accomplish. There's still more that God has in store for you. Your story's not over yet. You're not done burning yet. Your fire is not ready to be quenched. Jesus Christ is not done with you. Your story hasn't been completed. And he says, I will not snuff out the smoldering flax, but he's showing us that he's gonna bring that back to life. So no matter where life has brought you bruised or broken, no matter how dim the light has become in your life, we have a God that not only sees you, not only knows the number of hairs on your head, not only did he create you and craft you and make you the way that he wanted to be, but he says even in your hardships, even in your brokenness, even in your down times, even in the hard times, even when everything else is against you, I'm not willing to give up on you. I'm not willing to write you off. I'm not willing to say enough is enough, but I'm there to fan the flame. I'm there to bring you back to life. I'm there to take the time to put you back together, to wrap up the hurt, to take care of the bruise and the broken, and to create it into something that can grow again. And that's the kind of love that my Jesus has for you. He says he will not break the bruised reed, and he will not quench the smoldering flax. He's never ready to give up on you. He's never ready to write you off. And he will never snuff you out or break you in your bruised moment. Rather, Job 23.10 says, 
but he knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The process of purifying gold is vicious. The process of purifying gold takes time. It takes heat. It takes pressure. None of those things we like to endure. I'm not a very patient person. If it takes time, I, you know, it can kind of move on down the list because I don't want to waste time. I just want to get done the quick things and just move on. If it takes time, it's uncomfortable. If there's pressure, I don't, I don't want to be in a pressure situation. I don't like to be stressed out. I just no, I choose not to be stressed out. I'll go somewhere else and not be under pressure. If it takes heat, well, I'd rather the heat than the cold, but I'm talking like intense heat. If it takes heat, it's uncomfortable. We don't like to be pushed. We don't like to sweat. We don't like to feel like we're under attack. But I feel like somebody needs to recognize as Job recognized. It's not an attack. It's a purification process. God has a deeper purpose for you. He says, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. When I am tried, I shall come forth as one of the most precious things that's on the face of the earth. Now, does it look that way when all the kids die and all the flocks die and the houses burn down and I've got infirmity all over my body? Does it look that way? Does it feel that way? No, it doesn't. Does it feel like you're just being set up to become gold when everyone's overlooking you? Does it feel like you're just in the process of being the best version of yourself when life has trampled you down and all that's left of the fire is just that smoldering ember? No, it doesn't feel that way. But that's where our faith comes in. That's where our choice to trust in God, to claim that I will take him at his word, that's where that comes in. And he says that if he sees the sparrow, not all the sparrows, one sparrow, if he sees the sparrow, how much more does he see you? And how much more value do you have than many sparrows? The Spirit of God is in this place right now. And I don't know exactly who I'm talking to. I'm sure it's more than one. But I know that I'm talking to somebody under the moving of the Holy Ghost right now. I don't care what life has done to you, and I don't care what you felt like when you walked in the place, or even as I begin to speak or the songs begin to be played or even outside of this building. I don't know what life makes you feel like. Maybe as I was talking about how insignificant a sparrow is, maybe you're just resonating with that part of the, of the message. But I need somebody to hear the word of the Lord today that says that if he sees even that insignificant sparrow, if he sees when, when they fall, if he sees when they're in trouble, how much more? We could all stand. How much more does he see you? His greatest creation, his love, his image, the one that he breathed in, the one that he came as a sacrifice to save and to call, the one that he had a plan and a purpose for before you even took your first step. He sees you. If he sees the sparrow, And he sees you. I'm going to open these altars today. And as I do, I wish that everybody would come. We wouldn't make anybody feel uncomfortable for stepping out because we've all been there. We've all been in a place that we feel like we don't really feel appreciated or valued.
Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.